This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Clip and Roll. As always, I am your host, Justin Russo, and I'm, as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Farbad Esnashari. Farbad, you and I have not been together on a podcast in like two weeks. First off, how you doing, buddy? I will introduce myself. I am Farbad, Nearbad, Farbad, whatever. I'm good. That's it? You're just good? I'm just tired. (laughs) <laughs> Aren't we all? It's the dog days of the season. Speaking of that, by the way, uh, I tweeted out on Sunday, Sunday night after the game against the Lakers. Don't forget, you have to get Peacock to watch WrestleMania now. You can't watch it on the WWE Network. I'll get into that in one second because I have a bone to pick with that. Uh, but real quick, I tweeted out on Sunday night after the Clippers-Lakers game. The Clippers played 51 games in 103 days, and that includes a week off. And it'll be 57 games on 113 days pretty shortly. Uh, so if we're tired, they're tired. Um, but Peacock and WWE, number one, uh, what an absolutely atrocious interface for that. I haven't and number, tried yet. And number two, if you're going to move everything to Peacock, can you please actually have all of the content? For instance, I tried to watch Halloween Havoc 1997. And it's not there. Yeah, I haven't looked at it at all. I actually didn't know I had to get it until today. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, you can't watch anything on the network or anything. Like nothing like uh, like old pay-per-views or anything on there. You can't watch them. Like you have to actually go to Peacock. And their, interfa- in their, their interface is absolute dog shit. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. NBC Universal, whoever you are, Peacock, if you're listening, dog shit dog shit interface do better you paid for a bunch of stuff can you at least improve the interface i don't mind the little blibbity bloop little pictures that you can click on like that's cool but at the end of the day if you're going to move something over from one network to another can you at least just have the entire content archive is that too much to ask for i plead the fifth i talk to too many networks and i cannot talk trash so i will well, i'll do it fifth. for you Anyways, if you're wondering, uh, this past week, I guess, since the last time we had a podcast, the last time we had a podcast, I was with Shane, uh, Shane Young, and we discussed the win against the Spurs on the second out of a back-to-back. It was the Skeleton Crew Clippers, and uh, they had just traded Lou Williams for uh, Rajon Rondo, and it was a very emotional day, and we talked about that on the latest podcast. So since then, the Clippers have played five games, uh, all of them at home because they're in the midst of a nine-game homestand, which is absolutely draining. I've gone to all five of these games. Um, 
I, I'm absolutely, I'm dog tired, man. Like I'm legit tired. Like I wake up and I'm just tired. Like I, I get ready to go to a game. I'm tired. Like it, it's absurd. Um, you got it pretty easy right now too. Cause going to the games, like it was a lot worse waiting for them back then last year. What do you mean? Like Kawhi would not come out to like 1230 AM or 12, like 1145 pm on the regular i I don't mean because of like the waiting thing like that's whatever like some some of it's annoying like when you're actually there it's fucking annoying like it's it it, like on sunday um i I about wanted to strangle people because we had to wait an hour and 15 minutes for rajon rondo to speak and he gave us like three minutes and that was it and i was just like dude like what's even the point but i'm drained because like i drive there and back and like for where i live it's like an hour and 20 minutes there and an hour back because of traffic and stuff. So it's like, I'm just drained. Like it's like two and a half hours in a car. And then I'm like at the arena for like six hours. So it's, it's just, it's just a draining experience. I enjoy it. It's just draining. Like when I get home, I'm just, that's, uh, it's not like, it's tough to justify when you're driving far away. And the the situation is what it is right now. Cause that's why I stopped going. It's honestly funny. So like, Staples Center announced like their fans are going to be coming back for the Clipper games on <clears> April 18th. I announced this before them. <clears throat> oh, okay. Good newsbreaker. Newsbreaker as Nashari over here. Um, uh, so, the, so it gets announced um, April 18th will be the first Clippers home game with fans, which is, which is against Minnesota. Um, cool. Uh, for those who have not seen on television, uh, when you're at the Clipper game, it's only players, staff, friends and family of the players and like essential personnel. And there's like media members and the media members are between the 100 and 200 sections on like I, I've called it the concourse. I don't really think it's called the concourse. It's like the little circular inner bowl area. And we all have our own individual desks six feet apart from each other. Um, and it's very like everything is really well structured. Um, every, like it, It's smooth. It's easy. It's nice. Um, it's very uh, it, it's great against anxiety. Like I have no anxiety going to the games like at all. And I know this is a selfish way to think about it, but I'm wondering what my anxiety level is going to be when I start seeing fans trickling. Like I might actually just lose my mind. I don't know. They, I, I don't know how much they actually know, to be honest. Like, cause when I, when I asked them know. about it, like a week ago, like when I asked them about it, like t- three hours, <laughs> that whole situation when they announced it was funny because I saw, I saw California announced April 15th. And so then I started hitting up a bunch of people I know that work at Staples Center that were, you know, high up there. And I was like, do does this include you guys? Like, do I need to start getting ready? And they're like, yeah, it includes us. And I was like, oh, crap. And they're like, yeah, we're going to start having people at games. And I was in the middle of getting Rubio's and I was like, shit, like I need to write something, but I'm about to get a burrito. <laughs> like by the time, but I put a tweet out and I was like, by the time I got home, to actually write something i was like well my burrito is gonna get cold so like let me eat that first and then i'll write something and then i wrote something and like 30 minutes later all the teams wrote their press releases so i was like thank god i beat it in time and i got to eat my burrito yeah i found out uh 10 minutes before it was announced i was told by a uh, a source that uh there was about to be a 4 p.m announcement about fans returning to staples center 
And lo and behold, the Clippers posted their thing like right at four. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. So, I mean, fans are going to be back. We don't know how many fans, but personally, um, I know this is like really like selfish on my part. I'm not excited for the fans to come back, but at the same time, I get why. Like, it's all money. Like, you know what I mean? So, it is what it is. Anyways, you want to break down some of these games? You want to go over them? I guess so. Oh, yeah, you sound thrilled. All right, so uh, Saturday, March 27th, the Clippers beat the Philadelphia 76ers 122-112. That was a game in which the Sixers were without Joel Embiid. Uh, The Clippers were without uh, Patrick Beverly and Serge Ibaka. Clippers end up winning it by 10. I mean, the game was kind of close for a little while. They opened it up in the third and then kind of just pretty much cruised after that. Like, I mean, it, it, it was whatever. It's what you would expect the Clippers to do. Against a team missing Joel Embiid. So, I mean, that's a good win, though. Like, that's a solid win. Um, but their most impressive win of the season came two days later, which was Monday, March 29th. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks by 24. Um, I, 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 it was like a perfect game for the Clippers. They stifled Milwaukee defensively. They got whatever they wanted for, against Milwaukee offensively. Um but I think the biggest takeaway from this game is like Paul George didn't play. Obviously neither did Beverly or Baca. Luke Kennard gets the star and Luke Kennard was incredible. Um, Reggie Jackson was great, especially in the third. I believe Reggie Jackson scored 15 of his 20 in the third quarter of that game. Marcus Morris led them with 25. Kawhi had 23. Uh, Terrence was great. He had 14, six and six. And they pretty much corralled Giannis. I mean, Giannis finishes with 32 on 10 of 21, but they turned him into a jump <laughs> shooter. I number to say like what casually 32 on 10 of 21. Yeah. Like that, that's the thing. Like, that's what I realized. Like what? So that was my first time I'd ever watched Giannis play in person. Like I, I was supposed to see him a couple years ago and I, I, I had something else pop up, but that game was the first time I watched him play in person. And I remember, I, I told someone at the game, I believe, I believe it was Tomer. Actually, I told Tomer, I said, like this dude just dropped thirty-two on twenty-one shots, and I thought he was just okay. Like that's when you know someone's great is like they have this game where they score really well, and then you're like, eh, they were all right, I guess. Like, and that's what I got out of Giannis is like this is literally that. Like he had an average game and was still doing what he did. Um, a reason, one of the reasons why he didn't have an amazing game was because of Zubats. Like Vitsa Zubats did a really good job walling him off in the paint. I did a video about it. Zoo was incredible. That was the Clipper. That's the Clippers best win of the season. I mean, it was, it's probably that what was, I would argue. Huh? It, it was interesting with Zoo because he stuck his arms in the air and then kind of just stopped Giannis. But it's like the referees sometimes call that against him and sometimes don't because I've seen him do the same thing and it's whether or not they let him have it or not. It's very strange. It is uh, zoo's been asked about it this year. And like, he kind of chuckles, like whatever, like, but that's what it is. Like he'll put his arms straight up and sometimes they don't call him for fouling them, which shouldn't be a foul. And then sometimes they'll actually call it, which is kind of crazy. Like and I saw him do that against Jokic a lot in the playoffs last year. And then and they like, Jokic fouls. would flail or hook his arm and then he'd get called a foul. And then it was like, it, it was pretty consistent. I feel like it made me upset. I remember <laughs> You're always upset, though. Uh, I'm not the Hulk. I mean, okay. hold on. Here's the thing. I think a lot of times, I think the the tone sounds upset, but like 99% of the times, it's like I'm just eating fruit snacks or I'm like half watching the game. <laughs> like, I'm not like 
a hundred percent always always tuned in this hurts me anyways the next night they actually lost to orlando um they lose 103.96 they were as up as much by as i believe like 18 i want to say at one point either way they were up by uh mid to high double digits they're up by like Uh, 16 they should have been up by like 20 to 25 going into halftime yeah they were they were exhausted i mean pg doesn't play that game either so like you're without beverly you're without pg you're without rondo you're without ibaka and marcus morris senior was a late scratch to that game so you were without four starters and you're running this eight-man group out there for the second straight night. And they just looked exhausted down the stretch. In fact, uh, if you really want to get in the nuts and bolts of this thing, that game against Orlando was the last game of a five-game and seven-day stretch. So it makes sense why a team that's shorthanded and playing their fifth game in seven nights absolutely looks the way that they did at the end of that game when they were just absolutely dog tired and had nothing left in the tank. So, well, I mean, they looked then the way that to they Orlando did the whole sucks, game. obviously. Yeah, they, they, they look tired the whole game because even when they built that lead that they had, like it wasn't like they were like doing something amazing. They yeah, just was... they just gassed out. I mean, I don't want to have too much to debate about it, but yeah, they looked, they looked bad the whole game. And then Orlando just looked worse at the start. Like they brick, like Orlando bricked or airballed like three or four shots in the first like four minutes. And I was like, geez, like this is bad. And then they actually went scoreless for the first three minutes. And then the Clippers went scoreless for the last three minutes, which always kind of tells you which team is more tired or on a back to back and who, who ends up gassing out. Uh, the the biggest gripe I have with them, and which I think most people have, is when they, you know, you can lose those individual games. Like you can say, you know, it's no problem. You know, you guys are tired. It's more so just like a consistent theme of bad execution or missing shots in the exact same way in a consistent manner in nine games. I think that's that's the more alarming thing than just losing to the Orlando Magic when you're tired and it's five and seven. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I just, I don't know. I, I'm willing to give leeway to a lot of the shit that's happened to them this year because of this condensed schedule that they're having to play. And, you know, you're going to get tired more often, which, you know, leads to problems uh, that normally wouldn't pop up or arise. So I don't know. I mean, that's how I look at it. Uh, two nights later, they play Denver on April Fool's Day. 
Um, and they the Clippers come out consistently like on April Fool's Day. They have a pretty bad record, actually. I honestly have not looked at their record from April Fool's Day. I just remember I've worked a lot of April Fool's games, and then like I always have the same status of I was April Fooled into thinking the Clippers are going to win. Like I've said that so many times on April Fool's Day. Twi- so two of them are against the Pacers. So it's your fault. Um. No, because like that wasn't the jinx back then. I was at every game, so I wasn't the jinx. All right then. Um, Denver beats the Clippers one hundred one ninety four, but it's actually like a tale of two halves. Oddly enough, um, the Clippers get behind the eight ball in the first quarter. They come out very slow. Denver takes control of this game early on. The Clippers are down by thirteen at the half. Should probably be down by more, to be honest with you. They come out in the third. They have a good defensive third quarter. They come out in the fourth. They really gnaw this. They gnaw and whittle this deficit down to one point. At, at, literally at one point, they get it down to one point, and they just couldn't get over the hump. They're down by one. Kawhi's little runner rolls out. They're down by three. Reggie Jackson's corner three to tie rolls out. Um, and he was open on that one. Um, they missed a lot of chippies. They missed a lot of good looks from three. Um, there was also just, the game that kind of made Paul George look really hurt. Like that was the game that was like, oh man, his this guy doesn't look right. So they blew two fast breaks. Like in the first half, they blew they blew two fast breaks. They had two fast break layups that they missed. And on the ensuing Denver possession, so like Clippers missed a fast break. Denver comes down and uh, makes a layup. They then miss another fast break. Denver comes down for a layup and an and one. So they get three points out of that on Denver. That's a nine point swing. Like little stuff like that adds up and it added up to, you know, a detriment to the Clippers. Like Denver shoots 52% from three Clippers shot 29%. Denver shoots 48% from the field Clippers 41%. Um, You know, Denver turns the ball over 13 times Clippers 10. So it's not like there's some big discrepancy there. And honestly, for the Clippers to only lose by seven and to actually have a chance in this game is absolutely absurd to me. Like they should not have had a chance in this game based on how they were playing. I think a lot of it had to do with how bad Jokic shot too. I mean, Jokic was six of sixteen, but you know, PG's five of fifteen. Morris was two of nine. Um, Batum's two of seven. Kennard and Patterson go combined two of nine. You know, so like everyone else on Denver shot really well. So I mean, it was just one guy on Denver who obviously happened to be their star player who was six of sixteen. But no one else suffered. Like everyone else was good. Um, Clippers got killed by a lot of back cuts in that game. A lot of back cuts. But it was uh, just Aaron Gordon ducking the ball wide open. Yeah, I don't know what the hell. They're, I, I broke down the back cuts, and it was just like I like it was just it was just late rotations. Like everyone just was late to everything. Uh, Clippers rebound from that though to beat the Lakers on Sunday afternoon, one hundred four eighty six. Uh, game wasn't really particularly close. Which was a really um, oddly not hype game for how important it kind of was in terms of standings and seedings. Yeah, so the Clippers win, and because of that, uh, the Lakers fall to 19 losses, and the Clippers are still at 18, which is obviously beneficial to the Clippers. And the Clippers won the season tiebreaker. Uh, they won the first. They won on opening night, and they won on this game. And because you only play each other three times a season. If you first team to two wins, Clippers already got that. So they win the tiebreaker. So if these two teams are somehow tied at the end of the season, Clippers get the tiebreaker in the seeding. They jump up. Um, 
honestly, there was no real takeaway from this game. Like none. Just like I watched the game. Okay, defense. Like even though the Lakers were bad without LeBron and AD, they still played. They still held them to like season low numbers. I mean, yeah, like the Cl- the Clippers have put together like six straight quarters of good defense. The last half of that Denver game, they held Denver to like 39 points. The first half of this Lakers game, they held them to 38, and then like 17 in the third. They had 55 through three quarters. So if you're holding teams to those numbers, like you're doing something right. Uh, the Lakers scored 31 on the fourth, but by that time the game was done and Montrezl Harrell was just getting garbage time buckets against nobody. He was just beating Patrick Patterson in the lane every time. So whatever. Um, Marcus Morris Sr. leads the way with 22 points. Kawhi on has the, 19. Go on ahead. the subject of Trez, I'm shocked that they didn't put his stuff, like his his tribute video on social at all. Uh, I don't know why they would, though. I mean, they did it for for other guys, but like, I feel bad for that guy. Just, I mean, I know how fans feel some type of way from him, but like, out of everyone I covered or saw in the last three years, like that guy cared more about fans than any other player. And the lack of fans or the, especially the way they lost in the bubble kind of took that away from people remembering him. Cause like, I mean, literally win or lose everybody else would be too pissed off. Like I had seen so many games of Chris Paul, Chris Paul just be like F off. Like, I don't want to talk to you or high-five a fan, or do anything for a fan when they lose. And, like, Trez was autographing everything, even after a loss. Or there'd be games where, like, some fan, you know, would tell me, hey, this guy has terminal cancer. Like, do you think Trez would do anything for him? And then I would tell Trez in the locker room, and Trez would go without a security guard, jump into the stands, give this guy his shirt, and go back into the crowd. And it's like no matter how you feel, whatever, like that guy did a lot for the fans that like people either don't know about or don't remember. And like, at the very least you can put his, you know, tribute video on social. I mean, yeah, he was a super nice dude. Like he was always nice to fans. I do know that. Um, Kawhi Leonard, 19 points, 10, 10 rebounds, eight assists. PG has 16, seven rebounds. Uh, Luke Kennard has 15, I believe 12 of them in the fourth, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, there's really nothing to take away from this game except for two things. Uh, number one, let's talk about Paul George's injury for one second. Uh, his bone edema in his second right toe uh, flared up again. It's what caused him to miss the Milwaukee game and the Orlando game. Wait, did he miss the Orlando game? I can't remember now. He did. He missed the, yeah, he missed the Milwaukee game and the Orlando game. Um, and he comes back for Denver and then he obviously against the Lakers. Um you can see where it's clearly affecting him with his lift. Uh, not so much on jumpers, but when he's getting to the lane, like you can actually see it affect him. He's starting to jump off his left foot more uh, because, just because he it's having trouble jumping off his right. He said it's an explosion issue. He has trouble flexing it. So this is not an issue that's going away anytime soon. No, it's not going to go away at all. I think and the I think the more alarming thing is even when he even when he was playing when we thought he when he came back and we were like, oh, okay, he's good now, he rested for what did he rest for like two weeks? Yeah, he still wasn't good. Yeah, he still wasn't good. Like when you look at his numbers pre and post or post all star game, whatever, like he is not he did those are not all star numbers at all. Those are like the numbers 
he kind of put up against Dallas and like, I don't, those are, you should be far more alarmed with that than anything else with the team uh, because they're only going to go as far as Kawhi and PG take them. And if PG's playing like that, by the time they get to the playoffs, there's, there's going to be a lot of problems. Have you actually looked at like what his pre and because I posted him the other day. Have you looked at his like pre and post numbers? Um, what's his face? Uh, Kevin O'Connor posted it too. It was like 19 points a game. The same thing is, it was the same thing you posted. Yeah. So it's, it's It's not good enough to make an all-star game. No. So prior to the bone edema, Paul George was averaging 24.4 points on a 66.2 true shooting percentage, which is absolutely absurd to see a guy average something like that. That's, that's insane. Since the bone edema, Paul George is averaging 19.7 points on a 53.6 true shooting percentage. Now, those that's not horrible, but it's not the level he was at before the bone edema in the second right toe started up. And now I think this is a real worry to where it's like, all right, we don't know what PG we're going to get night in and night out because of this injury. Like, it's not like it's not like you can look at it and be like, all right, well, for a couple games, he's going to be off. And then for this next game, he's going to be great. Like, we don't know that. Like, he he could get scratched before a game even starts again. Like, remember when that was a thing with him? So, like, I, like, I don't know. Like, we don't know what we're going to get. Has he dunked since he had the injury? He has. It was a rim grazer. Okay. I believe it was opening minutes against Denver. So, like, one time? I believe so. I could actually go look up how many dunks he's had since this happened, which I'll do in a moment. Um, the other, the second thing to take from these last couple games is Rajon Rondo made his Clippers debut. Um, it wasn't like he tore the house down or anything. Uh, he debuts against his former team, which is obviously the Lakers. He ends up playing about 13 minutes. It was 12 minutes, 36 seconds. He has two points, three assists, two steals, one rebound, four turnovers, four fouls. He was a plus two. Um, I'm just going to let you go. Like, what was your what was your takeaway from his, I guess, his debut as a Clipper? Uh, just looked really rusty. Um, I, I would have considered it a pretty solid game if he didn't have the turnovers. Like, if that was just his stat line without the turnovers, I would be like, okay, like, that's good. With the turnovers is kind of finicky. Uh, there were a couple assists that he there should have been assists, but like they just didn't shoot the ball uh, from what I remember. But it wasn't anything game-changing. Uh, they're definitely going to have to work him into shape. I understand, like, I understand what they're trying to do with him uh, completely, and both on-court and off-court, because as much as a move that was on-court, it was equally or more uh off court so i mean it's the whole their whole situation is gonna be kind of weird because like when pat comes back against the blazers which i will bet five dollars that he will come back is not going to be questionable like something awful would have to happen for him to not play uh i don't know (laughs) what they do because like they have such a log jam with pat reggie Rondo and Luke now. Uh, yeah, that's a log jam that they're going to have to figure out because 
Luke Kennard shot the ball really well this season. He's one of the five best three-point shooters in the league this season. Reggie Jackson has been great this season. He saved the Clippers, you could actually argue. Um, a lot. A, yeah, a, lot, a lot. Terrence has been really good the last couple months and really taken leaps as a player. And, you know, Pat's coming back, which I guess we could talk about in a minute. Um, Pat's going to be coming back, and yes, he'll be on a minutes restriction, but he's still coming back, and those are minutes that he's playing that are being taken from somebody else. And now you have to find time for Rondo. And my overall impression of Rondo, his debut was kind of the same. Like he looked rusty. I did a breakdown video of him. It was only about three, three and a half minutes long. Like there wasn't a lot to take away from it. Not because he was bad or anything, but like he wasn't involved in a lot of stuff. Like it was little stuff here and there. Um, The most positive thing I saw out of Rondo was his ability to push the pace and the tempo of the game um, there was one time he gets the ball up the floor. He attacks against an unset defense, finds Batum in the corner for three. That was about 30 seconds ago in the first quarter, if I remember correctly. There was another time in the second quarter. He gets the ball, realizes Markeith Morris is about to intentionally foul him to stop a fast break. He backs up and fires a bounce pass to Marcus, who hits a wing three to put the Clippers up by 17. Like those are like little things that he's done. Um, the one thing I he his first points came in the third quarter on a layup, a scoop layup. Um, while he did score, and that's cool, I didn't like the fact he passed open, passed up an open three. I understand he's not that much of a shooter, but like you, you still want him to take it. Um, I did like how he got into the paint, though. I think that's a good thing. Uh, honestly, like as weird as it sounds, I think I liked him more defensively. He was pretty good defensively. Like, that's weird, right? It feels like he made a every time he turned it over. Yeah, he I was felt like fine. He, he did the ball right after. He he's smart to the point of like he knows who he can sag off of. Like he just didn't pay attention to some of the Lakers players because they're not that good, good of shooters. So what's the point of being near them when you could help and recover? So I was actually I was fine with his debut, you know, 12 and a half minutes. We'll see what's coming in the future. You know, I mean, as we mentioned, Pat's coming back, you know. So Pat will be back for the Portland game. They ruled they upgraded him to questionable. He's been out for a while. They upgraded him to questionable. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Pat's going to be on a minutes limit for a while. He was when he came back last postseason. So I think you're looking at about 25 to 28 minutes when he's at like his height of what he's able to play, you know? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, that's the one thing I can't really predict what's going to happen. Like, they're more than likely going to start Zoo. Uh, Boogie's going to be, like, third string. But, like, I don't know. I just don't know what they do in that situation because, like, Reggie's been too good not to play. Luke's been too good not to play. Pat is too good not to play. and they Terrence has been too good not yeah, to play. Yeah, Terrence is also one of the only guys that, like, drives it in uh, on a very, he- very, very consistent basis. And he's positionless. You can play him pretty much at almost any position. But then they also need like there's certain moments where you watch them play and you're like, especially towards the end of the game where they can get stagnant, where you're like, okay, their offensive rating is great the whole game. And then towards that one small portion, it's like 42 minutes of great ball movement and then four minutes of bad ball movement. Like I could see where they could use a Rondo in that time, but that but then what? So like you just don't play Pat in the final minutes of a game? Like that'd be weird. Uh, yeah. I I ultimately think that when it comes to nut up or shut up time, 
I don't think you're going to see a point guard on the floor. I just don't think you're going to see it. I think you're going to see PG, Kawhi, Marcus, Batum, and one of the centers. I, mean, I think that's probably what we're going to see. That in a couple of games, but I mean, they have a lot. They they have a good problem. It's like they have a lot to work with. Yeah, you're right. It's it's a good problem to have, and also a frustrating one because like you have to really figure. You have to massage everyone's minutes perfectly. Um, although I did like what Ty Lu said the other day when he was asked um, about like when guys come back, like what do you say to certain guys who are going to see their minutes cut? And Ty's like, well, if they don't understand, I'm going to have to sit them down and make them understand. Basically, like you know, like it was basically, and part of my language is basically fuck your feelings. Like you're here for the team, you're just going to have to put up, put up, and deal with it. And I think that's kind of how it has to be. Uh, circling back to something we mentioned earlier, you, remember we were talking about like when was the last time Paul George dunked? Yeah. It was the Denver game, 10-22 to go in the first quarter. He dunks. That is his only dunk since March 20th. That was his last dunk against Charlotte. He's dunked 11 times this season. Yeah, so, I mean, clearly he can't really dunk with the injury. He's dunked five times since February. Feels like so. it, that's that, that's the unfortunate thing for him is like it seems like it's a lot of the same story for him too where he starts the season out like oh wow this guy's MVP level or something and then something happens to him and like he can't perform at that level everyone was expecting. So he he's out with bone edema from February fifth to February seventeenth and he comes back for that game on the nineteenth against Utah right? Yeah, he's played. 18 games since then and dunked twice. So you're saying he's going to get traded to the Nets and he's going to just dunk the ball every time. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's the new Blake thing. So anyways, Pat Bev's going to be coming back. His last game was March, uh, 11, March 11th. What am I talking about? That was, yeah, the March Warriors 11th. Game. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah March 11th, the game. Warriors game. Yeah. Um, that's his last game. So that was, he literally plays, 11 minutes in the first quarter of that game, first game after the All-Star break, and he's been out since. So they had their full allotment of players for 11 minutes. I hate this team sometimes. And then Serge has been out since the game after that. That's also the alarming thing, too, for them, Uh, which I've said before, where it's like, is this is this because the narrative is always man when these guys are healthy they're really good but it's like are these guys just all a bunch of injury prone players now is that is that where it's heading where it's like we're getting a real time lob city type situation where they're just never gonna be healthy and the one chance they had healthy was last year's postseason because it feels it's starting to feel that type of way where it's like these guys just aren't gonna be healthy it's, they're not, it's not like James Harden, who's always available or something like that. Um, speaking of helping with the health factors, it was reported on Monday that the, or not reported, excuse me, it was announced by the Clippers on Monday that they had signed uh, center DeMarcus Cousins to a 10 day contract um, for people who really want to understand why they did this. It's because they needed to. Uh, They were at 13 official roster spots, and by April 5th, which was Monday, they had to get to the minimum level of 14 players. You're only allowed to carry 13 – you're only allowed to carry under 14 players for up to two weeks. You have to actually get to 14 players two weeks after you get out of 14 players. So when they traded Fiondu Cabangeli at the trade deadline, or a couple days before the trade deadline, excuse me, that put them at 13 official roster spots. They had to get to 14 Signing Cousins to a 10-day contract makes sense. 
specifically because we don't know when Serge Ibaka is going to come back. He hasn't even started training or practicing or whatever. I don't he hasn't think he's coming back for a while. Too. He's not coming back for a while. It's yeah. They're having to play. They're, they're extending Patrick Patterson. So many minutes. I think Patrick Patterson is literally grinding down to dust. Yeah. I don't think Serge is going to be back for at least like for at least like another two weeks. Uh, yeah. I mean, cousins is going to get a second 10 day. Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. There's no, there's no, the only like, there's way no other is if he's just like, his attitude's just super awful or he's super done or something, something out of the, like a next level bad would have to happen for him not to get it. Which I hope it doesn't because he's friends with uh, Rondo. He went to Kentucky with Patterson. So maybe they rein him in and that's that. I mean, Lawrence Frank had the quote, remember uh, like that, the little, press conference he did after they got rondo he was like we in the buyout market we want guys who are comfortable not playing so hopefully cousins is comfortable not playing and then when he does play he's good or at least serviceable uh with I mean, houston this year situation I, seems pretty similar to dwight's last year uh and i and i interviewed dwight at the espies like right before he signed with the lakers for that like whatever contract it was it was like he's not really guaranteed money unless he like does well. Um, and I, he just, he just wanted a team to pick him up so badly to give him a chance. And all of last year was like a, a kind of tryout to make sure he got a decent contract for the next year. And it's starting to feel like boogies in the same space where he just needs somebody to give him a chance. And he's got a lot on the line Usually when guys have a lot on the line like that, like I feel like they typically tend to do well because it, it means more to them than just a regular roster spot. You're playing for a career at that point. Uh, Cousins spent 25 games with the Houston Rockets this season, averaged 9.6 points, 7.6 rebounds, 2.4 assists. He shot 37.6% from the field and 33.6% from deep uh that comes out to a 51.1 true shooting percentage which is the third lowest true shooting percentage of his career and the lowest since his sophomore season in the nba how many also should be pointed out that demarcus cousins how many of his shots were twos yeah was he just took 94 twos he took 94 twos he only made 42.6 percent of them it's the lowest rate of his career got it um he missed all of last season due to a torn ACL. He's had multiple lower leg and lower body injuries over the last several years. For people who will remember, he tore his Achilles with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, basically, this is a guy whose mobility has absolutely deteriorated, but maybe they can catch lightning in the bottle. Maybe he's been working out in his off time. Maybe he's back in shape. We'll we'll find out. This is nothing more than a body, nothing more than a break glass, break glass in case of emergency, and that's fine with me. I'm not the biggest Cousins guy. Obviously, I'm not the biggest Rondo guy, but I look at the positives of things sometimes where it's like I look at Cousins and I'm like, look, Sergi Baca's not playing. You're stretching Patrick Patterson very thin. You're not going to play Daniel or Turu at all, which is fine. Like I understand why. It's okay to have another body in there. I, I think there's better options for the Clippers out there or were better options for the Clippers out there. But I'm fine with this. I'm fine with this because that you wanted who was the one that I wanted. Yeah, that would be a better option. I I really wanted him to go get Gorgie Zhang. Um, I understand why he went to San Antonio. They gave him more money, but 
that's the guy that I was. He kind of seemed too good to be a third string center, though. I mean, yeah, probably. But, you know, based on the Ibaka thing, he would have been a second string center for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and he fits them. He's better than Cousins. Like, I mean, I know people might scoff at that, but he's he's a better shooter. He's a better defender. So things like that. But um, the thing that I will say is Cousins does still give the Clippers a ball mover. Like he he can pass. So maybe that's part of why they do the, they do this deal or get him to the 10 day is, you know, you get a guy who can make some reads. So it's not the end of the world if he gets the ball. Um, I just hope they don't run post-ups for him. That's my only thing. But, you know, it's a 10 day contract. We'll see. It's it's just biding time until Surge can return. And they're going to need Surge. And I don't know if Surge is going to start when he comes back. I don't think he should. I, I don't think, think he will. I think Zubats has done such an incredible job, especially defensively, that you you allow him to stay there. For instance, since the All-Star break, 13 games, the Clippers are fifth defensively at 107.0. Um, a lot of that's because of Zubats. And I feel like he deserves the credit for that. They keep praising him in post games. Every player praises them i feel like half the questions in post game are like how hey guys how great is zoo and everyone's like zoo's pretty great and that's like the post game for half of it you know so I like it's just a simple reality of the whole thing um zoo's just been great and i don't know how much you can actually let ibaka take his role like zoo's played so well and such meaningful minutes like in terms of like minutes per game that I don't know how you just look at him and like, all right, man, you're basically not going to be getting those minutes anymore. Like, yes, he's averaging 21.7 minutes per game for this, for the season. But since he's became, since he's been a starter, he's averaging 29.3, which is, which is good. And I feel like that's a guy you have to leave as a starter to make his impact. And you can give the next, you can give 20 minutes to, to surge. Like that's fine. But who knows? We'll see. Maybe it's politics. I don't know. Maybe Kawhi wants Surge to start. So we'll see. Um, They've been good since the All-Star break, even with injuries. They're second in net rating, plus 9.2. They're fifth defensively, 107.0. They're seventh offensively, 116.2. Um, They're like, they have a, a bottom 10 turnover rate. They're the best defensive rebounding team in the league since the break. So I'm really optimistic about this team right now. Even with the loss to Orlando, even with the loss to Denver, I'm very optimistic about this team. They just need to get healthy and they need to figure it out, like in terms of minutes, rotations, etc. And the one thing is, and I know I'm rambling for a second, usually at this point of the season, 51 games in, we're talking, oh, you got another 31 games to go. You can keep building, building, building. You got 21 games, and then it, and then it's and then it's the postseason. You know, I mean, you look at their schedule, and you and I talked about this before we came on the air. They have the third easiest remaining strength of schedule, or excuse me, they're tied for the second easiest remaining strength of schedule with Cleveland. The only team with the lower strength of schedule is Dallas. And after they play Portland and after they play Phoenix in the next two games, that strength of schedule is really going to go down. So this is the time for them to be able to try to make some kind of run. I don't know if they catch Phoenix. Phoenix is going to be a little bit difficult to catch. They're four up in the loss or yeah. Phoenix is four up in the loss column. I don't know if they're going to catch Phoenix unless they beat them both times. And they very much can. So I think Phoenix is going to take one of them. Phoenix seems pretty fired up after that, uh, 
you know, they were down 31 and then blew their chance to win. I think Phoenix will be fired up enough to take one. I mean, possibly. But then you look at how Phoenix has played lately, and they're kind of skinning and skinning some games out by their teeth. They won an overtime, or they won a close game against Toronto. They won an overtime against Charlotte in a game that they were just absolutely horrid in the close. Uh, they barely beat Chicago, who was reeling. They barely beat a, a really bad Houston team today. I mean, granted, they're winning them. They're winning. They they lost to Orlando, by the way, on March twenty fourth. So. Like these are games where Orlando's not playing the best of competition, or I'm sorry, Orlando, Phoenix is not playing the best of competition, but they're squeaking by, which is good because you need to win those games. Even when you're not having a good night, you need to win those games. But you look at their last, you know, several losses, their last four losses are to Charlotte, who back then Charlotte was healthy, but then Indiana, who's reeling, Minnesota, who's bad, and Orlando, who's bad. Um, Maybe we'll see. Uh, Phoenix actually plays Utah on Wednesday, and then they come to L.A. on Thursday. So that'll be the second night of a back-to-back for Phoenix. So I don't know what their fatigue level is going to be on that one. That uh, that game's going to be pretty big considering Utah just lost today too. Uh, yeah, Utah, Utah got kind of smacked around by Dallas. It, it was an eight-point game at the end, but I think they got smacked around a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, Dallas feels like they can just smack around anybody but also lose to anybody as we've seen. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing, by the way, Clippers lost the season series tiebreaker to Dallas. So Dallas is only three back in the loss column. So if the Clippers end up tied with them, who boy. Um, but you know, there's a long way between here and there. The real story is where did the Clippers finish seating wise? Because right now that game on Tuesday, if you're listening to this, this game today against Portland is big. If the Clippers win, they're two up in the loss column of Portland and they've won the season series. If they lose, they're tied in the loss column and there's one game remaining for the season series. And that's going to be a little bit of a sketchy game because you never know how those games up in Portland will go, especially because that's where Damian Lillard seems to have the greatest superpower in human history of hitting 35 footers in your face. But um, yeah, I mean, look, if you're the Clippers, you're 33 and 18 since the all-star break. You've been good. Um, they're nine and four since the break, which is good. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. They've been injured and they're still competing, which is, which is good. Like they've had some quality wins. They've had a tough loss here and there. It's just, it's almost like the dog days of the season, but like you're coming to the end of the season and you have to get ready for the postseason. But in order to do that, you got to get healthy and they're starting to get their guys back hopefully Hope, hopefully we'll see all right you tired buddy because you because you sound like you're ready to go well i mean i'm gonna stay up working for the next three hours after this so okay i'm gonna go to sleep in a bit um you got a hot take of the week um i used mine on the peacock wwe thing i mean i don't know i i haven't looked at peacock to see what their ui is like uh, let me. Th- I'm trying to think of what's been coming out. I don't think. Oh, I mean, no, I can't do that one. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'll say I think Godzilla vs King Kong was better than the Snyder cut, but like even then, I thought Godzilla vs King Kong was kind of so-so. I actually like Godzilla vs King Kong. I never liked the human elements of those movies. They always it's suck. Too much human. 
<sighs> Did you see King of the Monsters? Like the Godzilla movie? Yeah. It's going to sound kind of like douchey, but like I went to the premiere of it and left early. I don't remember why. Um, that literally pissed me off that movie because it was cool. It was a cool movie, but it was ruined by Vera Farmiga's character. Yeah, I don't think I got that far. I like I, I left after the first 30 minutes. I think we had a game or something like I think the Clippers were playing somebody important. I had to leave the premiere for one reason or another. All I know is that her character was the literal worst human being that's ever lived. And like everyone was cool with it. So it really bothered me. Like it just really bothered me. <sighs> Anyways, I think we're done. I think we wrapped it up. 47 minutes. Everyone should be happy. Uh, everybody be safe. Wash your hands, social distance, wear your mask properly, please. We're almost through this. Just keep chugging along. Um, you know, uh, there's spiking cases in certain states, so please stay safe wherever you listen to this. Uh, if you listen to this abroad, please stay safe as well. Um, we appreciate each and every listener. Uh, Farbot, you got anything for the good people before we depart this dear podcast episode? Uh, just that if you listen to this and you come to you start coming to games on the fifteenth, say hello to me so I can know you listen to this. When's the next game you're going to? I've not seen you out at the arena because I, I know you thought you were bad luck. Well, I also just didn't think it was worth driving because I'm it's like an hour drive and I've been doing that drive for like nine years now. So like I just rather give myself the break. Uh, I'd probably go and like fans start coming or the playoffs. OK, I'll see you then. Um, everybody, once again, take it easy. Stay safe. Social distance. Wear your mask properly. Thank you for listening. We hope you all are having a good day. Good evening. Good morning. Wherever you may be. Everybody take it easy and go Clippers. Go Clippers.